0: Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 9, 20 a.m. It is a Tuesday here in Las Vegas. You're in the huddle with Vinny Vonsignor, brought to you by Tequila embajador By the way, congratulations very quickly to Baylor. Wow, what a performance. Um, obviously the best team in college basketball, without question. Uh, I don't want to hear anything about, oh, it was a bad night for Gonzaga. Yeah, it was a bad night for Gonzaga because Baylor made it a bad night. They were just decidedly... The better team, uh, uh, just a tenacious, athletic, physical, smart, well-coached basketball team. Hats off to the Baylor uh, basketball program. You put on a show last night, and you deserve to win the national championship. Uh, again, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, uh, brought to you by Tequila and Bahador. We'd love to hear your thoughts. 702-365-9200. The question of the day is, if the Raiders don't go tackle or safety, Uh, With the first pick, uh, number 17 in the first round uh, of of the draft, what direction would you want them to go in if they don't draft a tackle, as I suspect that they will, uh, or a free safety, which I think would be plan B in the first round? I think you get the free safety later on in the draft, but if they don't go in that direction... Where would you prefer that they do go with the uh, 17th pick overall? Quickly, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line because Aiden wants to talk about the Raiders and I think the draft. Aiden, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, Aiden. What you got, man?
1: All right. Well, see, I, uh, I don't know. If we, if we don't go – I would prefer safety first round if anything, because I think the tackle class is really deep this year. But um, if if they don't go either of those two first round, I I don't know, man. I, I'm thinking JOK from from Notre Dame. I think I think we just gotta we gotta get depth on linebackers and then our I don't know. I just it's defense, obviously. I don't nobody on offense. We should not be picking an offensive player, but. I think either him or if Quiddy Pay if he's still on the board, I, I'd like that at seventeen. What if Devontae Smith of Alabama was there? Uh, hmm. Honestly, I'd say no, because John Brown that re, that sign that's a that's a great signing. There's no, I think he's better than Nelson Aguilar in my opinion, and we got him for what ten no mil cheap cheaper. Yes, like, exactly. Um, New England overpaid him big time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I agree on that. Uh, good, you know. Uh, always happy when the players get paid, and Nelson Aguilar uh, certainly uh, earned a paycheck. I thought it was a little bit pricey, uh, and, and yeah. uh, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, I understand the free safety. Uh, you know, wanting to go free safety, but with numbers, the with the 17th pick overall, uh, if I'm going to take a free safety. Training. Man, it's hard to imagine taking a safety that early unless you're talking about Derwin James or Ronnie Lott or somebody that's going to be, yeah. you know, Troy Palomalo. Somebody that is just such a, a game changer. And I don't necessarily see that. I see day one starters uh, at free safety, and I think that, 100%. yeah, in that second round, I think that, you know, whether it's Richie Grant or uh, uh, Javon Holland from, okay. from Oregon, uh, I think either of those two guys you could plug in uh, day one and start. Yeah. So I don't know about that 17th pick, uh, investing a free sa- in a free safety uh, at, at that at that spot. But if Patrick certain were to slip, or um, you know, uh, one of the wide receivers uh, were, to, were to fall, one of the linebackers were to fall, um, you know, it could be tempting. And it's John Gruden we're talking about here, and he's always in the quest um, to build the yeah. perfect offense. And if he feels like there's a too good to pass up wide receiver at number 17. Right. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. I, I'd be
1: surprised. <laughs> I'd be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked either. I think that's so dumb though. You know, we got Brian Edwards. I think he's gonna be great this year. And, you know, before he got injured, like against the Saints and all that, dude, he was playing great. He's playing
0: great. We, yeah, and, and he finished he, strong too.
1: Yeah, right. Against Denver. That was a great game. And don't forget we got Hunter Renfro in the slot, he's automatic. Ruggs is going to be better this year. I think Ruggs is going to put on some weight, and he's going to be catching some balls. And we got John Brown and Willie Snead. Willie Snead's good. I Willie Snead's very good. good. I,
0: I, you know, and and uh, I think that you know, in talking to some people uh, last night, uh, I, I I just feel like there's a vision for this offense, uh, including with Kenyon Drake and yeah, uh, the Raiders. Yeah, I, I, I tweeted this out earlier. The Raiders feel like there's some untapped potential there in the way, um, like if you look back at the quarterbacks he played with uh, in Miami, mm-hmm. um, Tannehill, uh, the, the guy for the Bill- I forgot that the uh, the Bears quarterback um, and the former uh, Broncos quarterback, the kind of the the flaky guy, just his name is escaping. Oh Jay Cutler. Yeah, Cutler was there for a second or two in Miami, uh, and then yeah. and then in Arizona, you know, the offense that they ran there was more of that That's pistol right it's so so i think the what the raiders feel like there's some untapped potential that he's going to be able to bring to this offense and and 100%. with this yeah with this quarterback and and as somebody told me today you know keep in mind that you can line him up at wide receiver and that allows you to be able to go fast yeah. and go up tempo without having to substitute you could just get up go line it up and he can line up at running back at wide receiver wherever you need yes. him to uh, and that could really keep the pressure on, uh, on 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 the other on the other defense. So I I do believe. And when you when you talk about Brian Edwards, I'm I'm right there with you. And don't forget Foster Moreau. I know a lot of fans. Yeah, great. Yeah, just kind of thought uh, you know that that you know bringing in Jason Witten took all these snaps away from Foster Moreau. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. It, yes and no. There was a reason for that. Uh, you got to remember, um, and not specifically to you, but to a lot of the people that you know I've dealt with on on Twitter, uh, thinking that that was a waste of a signing and it wasted Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau was coming off a very serious injury, and it took him a little while into the okay. season to get back uh, to fully healthy and 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 fully back on the uh, on uh, you know in in a good place. So that was coverage for that very reason. And you know the Raiders understand what they have in Foster Moreau. They they completely understand. They wanted to protect yeah. him last year coming back, so they didn't have to rush him uh, coming off the injury. That's what part of the reason why they brought in Jason Witten. Well, there's no Jason Witten uh, now. He is yeah. tight end number two without question. And I think that that uh, red zone issue that they had last year with you know scoring touchdowns. Uh, is going to be mitigated a little bit because I think Foster Barreau is going to be a factor. I think that I Kenyon Martin is going to be a factor in the red zone. I think Willie Sneed with his blocking and catching is going to be a factor yeah. in the red zone. Uh, so I think that that's the idea behind a lot of these signings that some people, you know, are, are, are scratching their head. Uh, really appreciate the call, Aiden. Uh, call back whenever you get a chance. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Frank from the Inland Empire is uh, on the line. How you doing, Frank?
2: What's happening, Cousin Benny?
0: What's up, my hey, brother?
2: Buddy. Hey, I, I you know, I don't see anything really changing at 17. I think you've got to kind of just wait around that area unless you see a game changer falling around maybe 14 or around there, unless you see somebody slip because of the off-field issues of Parsons maybe. Um, but uh, kind of going off track of what you were talking about, The I, I see Drake. I really see Drake changing up and also adding to that wide receiver core. I think he's going to be that X Factor, that Joker per se. That guy is going to change a whole dimension. Imagine him coming in there and all of a sudden uh, Jacobs going into the field and all of a sudden Drake sliding out to a receiver position. That's
0: electric. Right, exactly, and 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 football has become. Yes, you impose your will, absolutely. You line it up. We're tougher than you are. You know what's coming, but we're gonna still, you know, uh, beat you up and 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 do exactly what we want. And there is that element of football. But the reality is, football has become a game of mismatches. You find the mismatch, and I think that's the one of the one of the main issues that I think fans miss on Derek Carr is his ability to get the Raiders in and out of plays to, for that exact reason, to get them into the right look to exploit the matchup. And uh, prior to last year, I just don't think that he had the weapons to be able to do that. <laughs> you know, the, it, it, was, it was one thing to see where maybe the mismatch was, but there weren't that many mismatches. You think about some of the talent that he had to work with uh, over these last few years, not... Last year excluded because there were matchup issues, but the year before, what was the matchup issue that you had? You had Darren Waller. That was the matchup issue. Uh, now, and you looked at that last year. There's matchup. There's matchup issues with a uh, Hunter Renfro could be a matchup issue. Lining up Kenyon Drake uh, and and making him uh, making a, a a safety or a linebacker have to defend him is going to be a mismatch. Obviously, Darren Waller is a walking mismatch. Hunter. I mean, uh, uh, Henry. Ruggs is going to be a mismatch. Brian Edwards has the ability to be a mismatch and so when you start putting all these various, you know, uh, potential mismatches onto the field at the same time and force a team to make hard decisions on who they're going to really pay attention to, uh, and then you have a quarterback that can see it at the line of scrimmage where the ball should go because of the matchup issue. I think that that's where the Ra- this Raiders offense is ascending to and I think it's one of the key factors that some fans miss on Derek Carr.
2: I, I think you nailed it because right there, you know how fast they can change from big ball to, 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 to small ball and how fast they are because the teams, I mean, they can play with the tight end and then go from running the ball and all of a sudden Darren Waller and Drake on the outside. They can go speed, no huddle because you have a coach right there on the field with Derek Carr. That is, that's phenomenal. That's a totally different level. And then you look at the I, – I, I really – I'm banking on Bradley changing that whole defense. I think he is going to untap, open the valve on this defense. Simple, hard hitting, no nonsense. I mean, I, I think we're going to see a big, a big change in untapped potential coming through that that defense
3: this year.
0: I I, I agree, and I really appreciate the call, Frank. And and you know where I go on that is, uh, you know, not exclusively, but I just remember you know, being up there in the press box and and watching the game from my vantage point. And, and you know, I would take plays where I would just specifically um, key in on, like, a Corey Littleton. And a Corey Littleton, when I was covering him in Los Angeles, was flying around the field. Uh, did he miss some tackles? Everybody misses some tackles. But he was a really decent tackler, good tackler uh, in Los Angeles. And he was always – he was a guy that – could find himself uh, into – or play himself into a position, run himself into a position, read his way into a position to make plays, whether it was a tip ball or an interception or causing a fumble or making a big stop, uh, he was that kind of a player. But the guy I saw last year, and this goes to Frank's point, uh, about a, uh, a kind of a – not a simple defense. I don't want to use that adjective, but an understandable defense, a uh, a, a, a defense uh, that that – an efficient defense that can be um uh, executed more efficiently and quicker and, and and I think that when I watched Corey Littleton last year it just kept in my head and I would I again I would watch him from from snap to whistle and some of the time it just seemed and I would do this in film review as well it just seemed like he was honestly and I know this sounds like a cliche but thinking to much and when you think too much on the football field, you become an indecisive player rather than a decisive player. And that began to change back for the good toward the end of the season. And I don't think there was any coincidence. Number one, he had been in the system uh, a little while longer, um, so I think that from a uh, understanding of the defense and understanding of his role, he was just better off. You know, come week fourteen than he was in week six or seven. But I also think, and I don't think this is a coincidence that uh, he started playing with a little bit more freedom and a little bit more decisiveness, not even really a little bit, a lot a bit, uh, if that is even a term, but we'll make it up. A lot more decisiveness because it went after they made the coaching change, after they, you know, uh, uh, parted ways with Paul Gunther as good a man as you're going to find, uh, you know, not pointing any fingers at him. Sometimes it's just not the right fit, and it was pretty obvious um, at various points last year that the fit just wasn't there. And um, in, in, in Corey's case, I felt like once they made that move to Rod Marinelli, he just looked like a different player. He looked like the guy that I remember in Los Angeles. Uh, and and um, that's a big deal. If the Raiders could get that player back Again, that's like having two free agent signings this year because the guy last year, mm-mm, that wasn't Corey Littleton out there, I'll tell you that right now. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Justin is on the line. He wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Justin?
4: Hey, Vinny, can you hear me? I got you, brother. Hey, just wanted to do a little draft talk here. So uh, so I, I get the arguments for both the, the tackle and the safety yes. early. that's uh, the, the need is, I mean, it's it's ultimately glaring. Um, I, I've been seeing tweets. I've been seeing. I mean, you even said it yesterday. I think on the show that you could find a starting caliber right tackle, even up to second or third round. Um, I don't think the value for safety is quite there at 17 yet. I, I, from what I've heard from you, said sounds like you agree as well. We could probably find something in the early second round. Yep. Um, th- this team is not one or two players away from a Super Bowl. This, I mean, I, I don't know the exact rankings, but. Last year, this defense was porous on basically all three levels. I I get Gruden being the offensive guru he is and wanting to obviously address needs, especially on the offensive side of the ball, early on in the draft. Um, I just don't see the value there again at 17 for safety. I I think the best route we should go in the draft is is draft best defensive player available um, at 17, and I say we take you know like you said the kid from UCF or. Maybe if the Oregon safety is there in the second round, and you know, even if it's getting another defensive end, even if it's getting another defensive tackle, cornerback might be a little bit harder argument, uh, given that we have such young starters. But uh, this defense just needs help on so many levels, and and you know, it needs depth and in all its position groups. I think even doubling up, you know, we, I know we have our starting linebackers, you know, in place at this moment, but. The the Kormoa kid, or by some odd chance that Parsons drops to 17, you know the the edge rusher from Miami, the Phillips, and any of those guys, you know, I, I think the value is there at 17 for those guys. I, I just don't see the 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 rush and the need to draft a tackle there at 17 if this if this draft class is so deep a tackle and where we can even get a starting quality, you know, safety in round two, you know, if we end up going tackle in round three or something like that. I just think this team has to get best player available. Draft for value do not draft for need during this draft. So just wanted your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I'm always there with you on, on, uh, draft the best player available, but sometimes, you know, uh, it's, it's not a mutually exclusive proposition. Sometimes, you can get the best player available while also filling a need, and that could be the case um, with the tackle. And here's my question to you: uh, All right, so let's say they go with Micah Parsons, okay? And I'm not arguing. Uh, I'm not arguing that at all. I think he is somebody that I would be tempted at number seventeen uh, to go away from. That that would be it. Would be a clear case of best player available right there, regardless of need, regardless of anything. At seventeen. You know, depending on what else happens in front of that, you know, the first 16 picks ahead of that, it would be hard for me to believe that there would be a better player than Micah Parsons left on the board. So let's just say that that happened and they go Micah Parsons or anyone else, on the, uh, you know, the linebacker from North Carol or uh, Notre Dame, uh, big fan of his. Uh, but let's say that they, they did that at 17. And then following your blueprint, uh, they go safety with that second pick in this, you know, for number 48. Are you a little bit worried that you might be um, uh, pushing it a little bit too far on that tackle position going in the third round? Yes, I think that there's – maybe at that point, by necessity, whoever you drafted, you'd have to start. Um, But do you think you're pushing it a little bit uh, too much – uh, going in that direction rather than maybe waiting for the safety in the third round. Yeah, you've got two third-round picks, so uh, you can right. play with it a little bit, moving up, moving down, whatever the uh, case might be. But I don't know. I, I just think that you might be pushing it just a little bit too I, much by overlooking it. I got your t-
4: argument, Vin, and uh, I'm not worried about it for two reasons. Number one, this, this offensive line looked different on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> it roster. did. And, you know, we we know how important it is keeping Derek Carr upright, but they, they managed to have a top 10 offense last year with this musical chairs offensive line we had no last doubt. year. And and they look pretty solid. Additionally, I think Tom Cable doesn't get enough credit for the way he's been developing the tackles in the last five years. And I and I think he picked a guy in the second, he picked a guy in the third. I think ultimately the formula has been set. And I, I think he, you know, his track record has been proven, especially as of late, and I I just think I mean it is a glaring mean at this point. I still think they'll probably pick up a veteran here in the next couple of weeks or or maybe before camp or something like that. But for those two reasons, I mean the 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 problem again, the problem with this team has never been the offense. The problem's been the defense and I, and I know we just signed everybody and their sister on the <laughs> defensive line in free agency, but you know, who who knows if any of those guys are going to pan out? We were saying the same thing about these free agent signings last year and look what happened.
0: The uh, absolutely. Got worse. Uh, duly duly noted, and you got me thinking. So I'm I'm looking, um, you know, at uh, at the big board that uh, that I'm that I'm working with here, and into that into that third round, and you know, okay, Jalen Mayfield, uh, Michigan. It's about about the seventy sixth rated player or so. This is Pro Football Focus, by the way. Uh, so, so uh, a Jalen Mayfield from Michigan could be there in that third round. Brady Christensen uh, from from uh, BYU, uh, ranked number eighty seven by Pro Football Focus. James Hudson from Cincinnati, ranked number ninety three uh, by Pro Football Focus. And um, again, you know, you could always. You could always trade up into that second round as well. I wouldn't rule that out with those two. Now, here's the question that I would have for you, uh, uh, Justin, in mm-hmm. that scenario. Would you be willing to to, to sacrifice one of those third-round picks to get up into the second round? Um, and maybe even a future something uh, to, to get into that second round in order to take the defensive player that you feel like they need to get right. at number 17 – Double down on the safety at forty-eight, but somehow, but but also be able to move into that second round to maybe go get your tackle at that point.
4: Uh, again, like from, from what I'm hearing, um, I, I don't, I don't think you have to make a move that drastic. Unless you know, there's always the argument if there's you know the sure bet guy that you fall in love with that's going to fit in your system that fits your mold and fits the locker room style that you're trying to get. Then you know, so be a trade up for a tackle. I just you know, all signs are pointing to this being one of the deepest drafts you know, tackle classes in a long time. I I don't think it's there, you know, and and honestly flip flop the safety and the tackle in in round two and three, and I'd be happy. There you go. I'm just saying, you know, depth on this this defense is what we need the most. We need, we need to start drafting difference makers, people that are going to turn over the ball and, you know, at least keep us in the game or close out the games, which has been such a, you know, a hard thing for this team over the last couple of years. And, and and again, I just go back to this offense was a top ten offense last year, man. Like like that's not the problem with this team. The problem with this team is there's not there's not enough sure bets on defense that you know make you feel confident going into that fourth quarter. I mean, we saw it in how many games last year? Um, Too many. You know, no no doubt the right tackle is probably the second most important position on that line. Um, I, from what I'm hearing from everybody, i am got to be honest with you, I don't know the, the offensive tackle that of the first round, if I'm being honest with you. But, you know, from what I'm hearing, it, it sounds like it's pretty legit. The, the only the only way I could see them getting a tackle at 17, I don't think it's going to happen. I think you'd agree with me, is if if, if either Sewell or, or Slater slipped to 17, then I feel like that, that would just be value overcoming everything else.
0: But, well, I think there's uh, one other uh, guy I'm going to throw out at you, uh, Kristen Derisaw from Virginia Tech. Um, I think that To me, at number 17, uh, he would make a lot of sense, too. I think that he's got, you know, all the prerequisites. Um, You know, uh, he's tough enough. He's athletic. He's played left tackle, um, you know, pretty much exclusively at at Virginia Tech. Uh, And I think that he's got uh, – the way he turned it on from uh, his first year to his second and then third year – Leads me to believe that there's still more uh, that you're going to be able to get from him uh, as the years go on. So he would be one. He would be a, a, a guy that, at number seventeen, I would I would definitely take a look at. But if those three guys aren't there, and if I'm the Raiders, um, you know, I might look to trade down, maybe, or look take yeah. a look at who is there defensively and if there is a difference maker. Because I'm right there with you, Justin. The Raiders need to come up with different makers on defense. You're, they appreciate the call, Justin. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Let's get right to it. Charles is in bowling green and he wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Charles? Oh, the the dreaded uh dial tone. Uh Charles, if you're here, if you're listening, uh give us a call right back uh and we'll get you right back uh, on the line. So yeah, there's some definitely some uh you know intriguing uh directions that the Raiders uh can go in and uh you know talking to to Justin, our last caller, and about the need to get defensive playmakers, I don't think there's any question that uh, that's a priority. And um, you know, I, I do think that the Raiders believe that there are uh, they they have potential of game makers uh, uh, you know on this defense. And you know, part of that is young guys taking that next step forward, uh, your Trayvon Mullins, your Damon Arnetts, uh, your Jonathan Abrams, um, guys like that, uh, be, you know, ascending to the players that they're capable of being. Corey Littleton returning back uh, to form. He is, a, a you know, a, a, a playmaker. He comes up, uh, you know, with interceptions, tip balls, fumbles, things like that, um, you know, key tackles. Uh, and sometimes making a play is just making the dang play, you know. And when it's third and four, stopping a guy on, th- you know, uh, two yards and instead of giving up four yards, uh, it's – You know, if you're going to give up a pass, making sure a 7-yard gain isn't a 14-yard gain for the first down. Uh, Stopping them short of the sticks. Playmaking is at that level as well. Make the necessary play uh, to get the ball back to your offense. I think uh, Yannick Ngakwe is, without question, a playmaker. This is one of, what, five players since 2016 to have 40-plus sacks uh, and force 15-plus fumbles. That's a playmaker right there. There aren't that many guys that do what he does since 2016. That's pretty obvious. Just look at the statistics. Uh, So his ability, not just to get to the quarterback, but to sometimes make things happen when he does, I think is going to be invaluable uh, on this team. And it's something that, frankly, the Raiders haven't seen in a little while, uh, it certainly hasn't been around these last couple of years um, when this defense has struggled not just to get to the quarterback, uh, but to make things happen when they do, or create turnovers on the back end. And I and I and I believe, and I mentioned this yesterday, talking to some folks over the weekend about uh, how how much better the Raiders feel about that front seven. Yes, obviously, guys have to go out onto the field uh, and prove it. That's the world that we operate in. Uh, the NFL is no different. You know, um, it's one thing to have confidence. It's one thing to have faith. It's one thing for the Raiders to feel good about that situation or much better about that front seven than they did last year. Um, it's another thing for the, now that front seven to go, you know, get the job done. But I think that there is um, without question, the capability of that, the talent is there for that to happen for that front seven uh, to be to play at a much higher level, and that's just going to help across the board. And I don't just mean on being efficient, and you know, um, and like I just said, making the right play at the right time, but it's also making you know, football sports is so much about timeliness, uh, being able to force a turnover, you know, when it, when you have to have it. And I, I saw that with I know Aaron Donald, he's a future Hall of Famer, um, but and he did. <laughs> you know, there were times where you know sack, fumble recovery, all of a sudden, somebody's headed down the other side of the uh, uh, end of the field scoring a touchdown off of the fumble that you know Aaron Donald just created, or uh, you know, it happened, the, the fumble was created at the other team's 10 yard line. Here comes the offense, handed off to Todd Gurley, touchdown, Rams went. you know things like that. you saw that um it, it, it wasn't a lot because, you know, um, that that's those are plays that don't happen all the time. But there was an uncanny uh, uh, level to it where just at the right time, you know, uh, Aaron Donald comes up with that play. Or Corey Littleton came up with that play. And that's kind of where the Raiders need to get to. And I think a guy like Ngakwe uh, changes that. I've also seen... Uh, you Know, Cle Farrell has done that as well last year against the Jets. Uh, coming off, um, I think he had just gotten back, if I remember correctly, um, uh, from, from you know about with the with COVID. I, I gotta go uh, look back to see the timeline on that, but all of a sudden he's making plays in that game, and I think he did cause a, a strip fumble, if I remember correctly. Uh, but I but I think that he, you know, uh, a guy like Farrell. Who's really solid across the boards in a lot of areas, and is a is is the kind of guy that you can put on your front in your front seven, on your front four, uh, and win a championship with. He's he's that caliber of player. He's not he might not be that lead dog that's gonna you know get you the sixteen sacks or the fifteen sacks, uh, but. Uh, it It's no uh i could i can honestly say that he's a guy that five years now, if the raiders you know can can get better in, in other areas and 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 go do some special things, he's a guy that's going to be a part of it he's a guy that can be a part of a big time defense he showed that in college. Uh, and was a, a a big time player at Clemson and a timely player at Clemson, and I think that he's the type of guy that could do that, you know, w- with the Raiders. And, and by that I mean somebody that can come up with turnovers, can come up with a sack and the and the strip. Uh, Max Crosby as well. So and th- this is still a very young defense, but I think adding uh, Ngakwe uh, helps in that regard. We've seen him do that plenty of times in his career and there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to do that you know here with the with the Raiders but I agree with uh with Justin in that you know the Raiders have to come up with even more of those players and maybe at number 17 I know that there's a big need at tackle obviously there's a, a big need at free safety uh but there are starting caliber players at both of those positions beyond this first round and you know i just mentioned some guys that you know, again jalen mayfield at right tackle plug in day one starter he's got the capability of being able to to, to lock that you know a uh, position down like that in a in a capable way um, and he's not going to cost you a first round pick uh liam Eichenberg from notre dame i think you're talking more in the second round for for, for liam Eichenberg. Uh, but he's a guy that, you know, if, if the Raiders go in a different direction in round uh, one um, and a, a guy like Eichenberg, you can see them drafting him somewhere in the second round and maybe in the third round is where you get your safety. It's just, you know, that it's a tricky situation because there are two glaring needs right now as we sit here right now uh, on, on April 6th, 2021, and it's pretty obvious that. You look at right tackle, you look at free safety. Right now, if you really couldn't confidently, confidently pencil in somebody on the current roster at either of those two positions for the next 16 games. you can do it. There's bodies to do it. Brandon Parker, uh, you can line him up uh, at right tackle, and you know, uh, but can you confidently do it for 16 games? You want to move Denzel Good from guard over to right tackle and maybe, you know, uh, John Simpson becomes your starting guard? I mean, you could definitely do that. Denzel Good played tackle last year. Remember, he came in and replaced uh, after the fiasco, not the fiasco, but uh, the craziness that happened in Carolina game one where... Three plays into the game, Trent Brown goes down. And then five or six plays later, his, his, his replacement, Sam Young, goes down. And if you remember, Brandon Parker didn't even dress out for that game. And here's Denzel Good, who I don't believe took one snap at tackle during training camp last year. Hey, buddy, you got to go play right tackle for us. And guess what? Did a pretty darn good job. Kind of saved the day. In Carolina, uh, in the season opener last year. So, all right, uh, you want to move, you want to move him to right tackle. I, if we're playing that game, yeah, you can do. You could do that. He showed that he could play uh, there last year. But are you confident doing it for 16 games? I mean, if you are, if you're the Raiders and you're confident that you can do that, then you know all of a sudden things really do open up uh, in this draft because now you can really. Uh, go best player available uh, with that with that uh, 17th pick and maybe that is a linebacker maybe that is another defensive lineman maybe it's a cornerback uh, we'll see uh, but it 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 makes for an interesting situation at number 17 because again you do have needs at tackle at free safety you do have bodies that you can pencil in right now. I just don't know if those, uh, you know, uh, if you're going to need an eraser real quick uh, once that season starts with the with the possibilities that are on the roster at those two positions right now. I think they have to come from the draft, uh, but you don't also want to get into a position where you, you desperately make a pick just to fill that need. Uh, you know, at number 17, You have to go best player available, and that might be a tackle. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Trevor wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Trevor?
5: Hey, what's up, Vinny? How you doing?
0: Hey, Trevor, we got you. Yeah, can you hear me? I got you, brother.
5: All yeah. how's it going?
0: I'm doing good. How are you doing, man?
5: I'm doing well, doing well. Hey, my question has to do with the amount of draft capital we have. I feel like bringing in eight rookies is just kind of – gonna to be too much. What do you think about packaging some picks to get some higher end talent in the first three rounds?
0: Not opposed to it uh whatsoever. Uh what are you thinking? What are you what are you willing to you know there are reports that um that the Atlanta Falcons are dangling number four. All right. Um number four you're probably talking about Sewell, right? The offensive tackle from Oregon who without question is the best tackle prospect uh, in this draft. And so, I mean, if it wasn't for the quarterbacks and the need for quarterbacks and the importance of quarterbacks, and I'm not discounting quarterbacks whatsoever, it obviously is very, very important. But if you if you took that element out, he'd probably be considered the best player in this draft. Would you be willing, Trevor, to move up if the Atlanta Falcons are serious about it to move up to number four? And it would take a lot, but would you be willing to give up what it takes to get a player of that caliber? Or is there somebody else at number four that you'd be interested in taking?
5: Oh Man, that's tough. I mean, civil is so dominant, but I, I want to make sure we have enough draft capital to get our tackle and our safety too. What do you think it costs cost to get up to four?
0: Ooh, uh, I'm going to have to do some math in the uh, in the break to see what the... Uh, I. It, it would definitely be... It would definitely be your second round pick, your first round pick, and probably maybe even next year's first round pick uh, to go to go make a to move up. What is it? uh, Thirteen spots to get to number four. I'll do. um, There's a uh, there's a cheat sheet out there that I'll that I'll find to see what it would take, what kind of draft capital it uh, it would take. But let's just say it would cost you um, your seventeenth pick this year, your second round pick this year. And your first-round pick next year, and I'm I'm not even saying that gets it ha- that 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 makes it happen, but if that's the uh, beginning talking point, are you are you are you in? Are you folding or are you still in at that point?
5: I think I fold. I mean, it's a deep tackle class. Maybe you know, if one of the other guys, like the guy from Northwestern, falls a little bit, we can move up to the the kind of low teens, grab him, and then. Maybe package another one of our third rounders to move up in the second round to maybe get mooring if he slides or you know I really like that uh, safety out of Oregon I feel like he's not really getting much talked about by him but put Javon together a Pro Day and uh, yeah I mean he seems like a steal if he falls to the second round
0: I I'm with you and uh, you know that's another kind of a tricky situation because he didn't play last year uh, through no fault of his own he made a uh, a prudent decision based on his own you know, reasons that he opted out due to COVID-19 and uh, was arguably, yeah, he was arguably the best safety going into the 2020 season and uh, isn't anymore only because he didn't play. And so we we, we don't have that body of work uh, to, to gauge him by, to assess him by, uh, but you got to feel that Javon Holland, he, it's not like he forgot how to play, he just didn't play. <laughs> you know, so, um, and for you know for there's there's no reason to believe that he isn't better today than he was you know to end the 2019 season uh if he's been putting in the work which by all indications he is so yeah i'm with you i think a guy like javon holland uh would be a steal with the number 48 pick and i think that if you look at the rankings uh, he's he's right there. He's you know ranked probably what is it uh, last night? Oh, 52 by Pro Football Focus. I I, I uh, do value their opinion quite a bit. They they go pretty deep on all this. So he's ranked number fifty-two, which stands leads you to believe that he'd be there at number forty-eight. Um, you know when the uh, when the Raiders uh, pick their do that second pick. So uh, it's 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 interesting. Um, it, during the break, I'm going to take a look at what the math would be. To move up from 17 to number 4. And whether or not you know the Raiders, or any of you fans, uh, we'll, we'll throw it out there, uh, whether you guys would be on board uh, with making a move up like that to go get a guy who is a generational-type talent uh, in Sewell, The question is... I mean, do you, do you do you give up that much to go to number four to pick Sewell and then play him at right tackle? This is guy, this guy is a left tackle. Uh, like like he's he's got he's a he's a he, he's a foundational piece. Uh, do you do that for a right tackle, or maybe you move him to left tackle and have Colton Miller play right tackle? I don't know. We'll see. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonson. brought to you by Tequila and Bottler. We're back in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.
5: I'll be riding shotgun underneath the feeling like someone.
0: What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. It is a Tuesday. Uh, you're in the huddle. Vinnie Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Okay. So, uh, we were talking uh, just before the break about trading up. And let's just say, and I only bring this up because uh, rumor has it, there's speculation, there's talk out there uh, that the Atlanta Falcons are interested in maybe trading down uh, from number four, uh, trading out of the number four spot. Now, granted, um, it's a pretty big move, pretty big drop back moving from four Let's just say the Raiders are interested to number 17 where the Raiders are, okay? So uh, just to explain it, uh, that fourth pick overall carries a uh, value of 1,800 points, okay? The number 17 pick has a value of 950. So somehow you have to get uh, enough points, asset points, uh, to to match 1,800. Okay, so obviously it's going to take the Raiders' 17th pick overall. Which is 950 points. Uh, their next pick is number 48, uh, which carries a uh, value of 420 points. So now you're talking about uh, 1,300 points, right? 1,370. So you're close. You're in the ballpark, giving up a your first and your second pick, but you're still, uh, you know, um, 420 points away. So. Uh, the Raiders do have a couple of third-round picks. Uh, are you interested in giving up one of the third-round picks? Um, let's, you know, uh, so I, I think they're at eighty and eighty-one. So uh, their third-round pick at number eighty is is one hundred and ninety points. So you want to add that. Um, now you're at fifteen. So it starts adding up. You know what I'm saying? It starts adding up. Unless, of course, you wanna you wanna uh, toss in. A future first-round pick, let's say a first-round pick in 2021, which would definitely do it. Your first this year at number 17, number 48, and maybe next year's second-round pick Um, because that could get get you in the ballpark or next year's first-round pick. Again, that's a lot to give up, but a guy like Sewell, and I would presume that i would be the guy that they would have their uh, eye on, if not one of the premier wide receivers, uh, and it is John Gruden. So uh, <laughs> you, you know that he loves offense, and if he can go get a dynamic, dynamic wide receiver uh, to add to the mix, um, we'll see. I mean, is that something that Raider fans, would you guys be interested in doing uh, pick number 17, pick number 48, and maybe next year's second round pick? Uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, okay, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listen line because Madro wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Madro?
3: I'm great, Vinny B. How are you doing yourself?
0: Doing really good. Uh, yeah. Is that too rich for your appetite right there? No,
3: um, oh, by a mile. I mean you got in my opinion anyway i think they've made so many moves that have just been very disciplined and that at four i mean don't get me wrong packaging picks for better picks if there's somebody there that you really need that's one thing but truly and you know a lot of people think i'll be crazy on this but there is no one at number four that we desperately need and Now, granted, Sewell is, you know, a phenomenal offensive lineman. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, he's a left tackle, like you pointed out. And if you remember, it was but two years ago. We got one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Signed him to a huge contract and moved him to right tackle because we had that much faith in Colton Miller, which still is proving out, he got his extension. But you got to remember, Brown was a left tackle with the Super Bowl-winning Patriots, and we moved him to right. So we're not going to trade that much capital over a two-year period to move up to get an offensive lineman that we're going to play out of position.
0: Yeah, I, anyway, I agree with that. Um, I'm 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 against trading up that high uh, unless. You know, uh, unless John Gurdon has his eye on a, a Jamar Chase, uh, you know, we and, have and
3: so many wide receivers. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Gotta, uh, without question,
0: but he takes that uh, to a he takes that to a whole other level. All right, how about this? Would you be willing to trade up a little bit higher uh, to get a chance to get a Patrick Sertain, uh the Alabama, um, you know, uh, uh, cornerback? Or, or a Rashawn Slater from uh, Northwestern? Well,
3: what I was thinking, and I know in theory he has some character issues, but wasn't was even younger than he is now, I wouldn't mind moving up. Let's say, um, God, I just dropped his name, the linebacker from Penn State.
0: Micah Parsons.
3: Right. Let's say he drops down to 12, 13, you know, he hasn't been taken yet. Then it might be very prudent to package to move up, say, five spots to get him. Because here's another guy that he may not be Khalil Mack, but you know what? If you've watched his film, and I'm sure you have because you're diligent on that stuff, Mm -hmm. this kid is explosive. He's everywhere. And like I said, he supposedly had some uh, issues, but he hasn't had issues for a couple years now. You know, this goes back to high school even. and You know, kids grow up. So that kind of move up, I can understand.
0: But you're saying... um keep it within 10 and beyond. Don't go into...
3: Exactly. You don't want to give up too much to move up too many spaces. You know, see, if they they fall to a place where they're a bargain now and it's somebody you could really use, yeah, then you can, you know, you can do it. But like I said, one thing I really like about Mayock, and obviously Gruden agrees with him, what they've been doing is so... They haven't done stuff that's like basically stupid. They've been really focused on how they go about it. That's why they still have money. You know, because there's going to be some more cuts. You know, when some of that guaranteed money starts coming up right before training camps, you know, the second wave of guarantees, there's going to be a lot of more veterans that are dumped.
0: Yeah, they're and, uh, in a, they're actually in a pretty good position um, with, exactly. the, with, with the salary cap right now. They haven't thrown
3: right any money away. They haven't thrown any pixel. You know, they're they're really focused on how they're doing it, even in the wide receiver. Since you brought up Chase, you know Brown may be a pretty good upgrade um, from last year. You know, he's got more experience; he's been around; he's solid. And he is yeah, he solid. Turned I, out being our number one. Who knows?
0: Yeah, and I don't. You know, and, and here's the thing. Um, you know, uh, the, the whole number one thing is, is uh, you know, I'm not saying it's meaningless uh, whatsoever. Uh, I think that what the Raiders are trying to do is just throw all as many good players out on the field as possible and find exactly. the mismatches and exploit it. And that's what the Kansas City Chiefs do day after day after day after day. Yeah. That's what they hang their hat on. And that's what Drew Brees and the Saints, you know, have done, uh, you know, uh, all, all all these years. Uh, it, it's 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 a good way to go about it if you're not going to be able to get that number one guy and and, and, and I, who's the last team that won a Super Bowl with a, the quote unquote number one wide receiver uh,
3: that, that's another kind of funny thing because if you think about it having a number one, Kind of means the rest of your guys aren't that good. If you got a whole pile of really reasonably good players, and then not sometimes, really and,
0: one. and we got to run, but sometimes uh, you got to placate that number one guy, and sometimes that throws the whole thing out of whack. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embahador. On the other side, our good friend Q Myers will be joining us. Uh, so stick around. Uh, we always love to talk to uh, to our boy Q. Uh, that's coming up at the top of the hour.